0: Hi everyone. Welcome to this Tuesday talk on presentation skills. I'm uh, basically going to do things a little bit different today. Um, not necessarily modelling exactly what I'm talking about here, but also kind of modelling it as well. So I'm not going to use too many slides today. Mainly going to talk. I've got notes that I'm going to refer to, so I make sure I cover everything off. But um, we'll also be just basically talking off the cuff about things that I think are important for giving both um, online presentations, virtual presentations, as well as presentations that might happen in person. Um, so I think we all know uh, a lot about me, so I won't give you a background. If you haven't heard about me or you don't know about me, you doc- do a bit of Googling. You'll find plenty on YouTube. There's podcasts. I've got a website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, so if you've coming across this for the first time, go and check out those things. And if you've been here before, I'd love if you left a review or a comment or ask someone to subscribe or share it. Um, and if you do comment, I will definitely reply. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, on what's going on, how, if I could do something better, if I could make it more relevant to you, all of those kinds of things. On to today's talk. So like I said, presentation skills for researchers. So one of the things, if you've watched a few of my videos, one of the things that you'll know is, or perhaps realize is that I like to use essentially one picture to kind of get across a point. Now, the picture itself doesn't necessarily need to be related to the point that I want to make, but it does need to trigger some thought process in me about the point that I want to make. So for example, if I take the notes that I'm working off today, um, I'll put up a picture here. So if, I, if you see that there, that's a trigger for me to ask you a question. That's a trigger for me to say, hey, what about you? How are you going? What are you interested in? Um, if you're listening to this on a podcast, it's a picture of an owl with a quizzical look on its face, um, that kind of head tilt that sometimes dogs do as well. And so this is, doesn't ask a question. There's nothing to read as a viewer. You're not being asked to do anything. You are you might question the value of this, or you might think about it, but, but you're not, I'm not telling you to go and read something. I'm not reading off a slide. I'm simply showing a picture that is a trigger for me to ask you, how are you going? What are you up to? What are you doing? So that's one way that I would encourage you to use pictures and from a research perspective, I've done this heap. So I've got some people in um, a, a thesis writing and a journal article writing group. Uh, one of the people writes about a process. This has an acronym, ROP. So one of the things that I encouraged um, her to do is to use a picture of a piece of rope every time she wanted to remember that she has to talk about ROP. Um, and then what it led down, uh, what it did for her, was led to a whole series of images that had rope, and and she could use that as a bit of a metaphor for how she talked about ROP. And how when the rope was big and strong, ROP was good. And how when it was frayed and falling apart, ROP wasn't good. So it leads you down a different pathway of how you might convey essentially the same message, but in a different way. Because we've all seen images, um, slides full of words. Um, and again, I'll, I'll share a slide here, which is the notes that I'm working off today. Um, and it is just full of words because these are the notes that i'm working off i didn't want to do a presentation today that was um just pictures i wanted to do something a bit different a bit more hopefully a bit more interactive so you can see there's just a um my screen sharing is a bit slow today so i have didn't put it up but essentially it's 15 dot points of the kinds of ideas for researchers um, The next thing to think about is to use storytelling techniques. So your presentation should have a beginning, a middle and an end. In the olden days, back when I was learning how to present, the advice was um, to do stuff like, tell me what you're going to talk about. Talk about what you're going to talk about. Tell me what you talked about. And I think that just ends up being quite repetitive and perhaps boring for the audience. Instead, think about your presentation is having a story arc like I said having a beginning a middle and an end so the beginning of the presentation often you want to introduce yourself then and why you did the work you might even you know there's a storytelling um there's a storytelling kind of mantra or a story arc called the hero's journey so you know essentially in that you you get us let us know who you are then you go through some kind of failure then you have some kind of redemption and then you ultimately save the world So, from a research perspective the failure could be the difficulty getting reagents the difficulty setting stuff up early setbacks then obviously the redemption is when things potentially um, go successfully Things go successfully in a research talk. Obviously, you can continue to talk about how things aren't working. And in the end, I like to have a call to action. So if you watch any of my videos, if you listen to my podcast, the end is always a call to action. Um, Call to actions can be all sorts of things. Um, In sales talk, they talk about closing. um, But same thing, call to action. Closing for um, multiple Cs. So C for calendar, C for a call. Uh, C for uh, cash um, or C for a collaboration. So I think in research, we can do pretty much exactly the same thing. You can have a call to action that says, connect with me on social media. This is where I'm at, I am. That says, um, if you'd love, I'd love to have a meeting with you, send me an email. Or you can say, I'd love to collaborate with you. Here's what I'm looking for collaborators on. So that end point is the call to action. So beginning a bit about you, um, maybe early setbacks while you're doing the work. The middle is uh, your result. And then obviously the end is your call to action. Now, what I'd also make sure is don't bury the lead. So in your presentation, don't leave the best thing to last when people have potentially lost interest or are no longer interested. It's okay to put your best stuff first. That's perfectly fine. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, one of the things that presentation is really good for are getting new connections so I always include some kind of way of contacting you and you'll see that with me Uh, you'll again if you watch different videos that I've created you can contact me on facebook contact me on twitter dr richard heisman's the same thing on instagram the same thing on linkedin the same thing on the internet if you google dr richard heisman's you'll find me and that's one way you can get people to help find you that's how you can include your contact details or you can actually put them up on the screen and tell people take a photo and you'll have my um my contact details there Another thing that to think about is what do you want your audience to do before, during, and after your presentation? So one of the things that I've learned from training uh, researchers is that if I send a bit of a, an introduction video through, or an int- generally I'll send an introduction video rather than an introduction email, and that video will be in an email, but it won't be a long list of text. I'll send a video that goes for up to two minutes, generally one, maybe even 30 seconds that says, hi, I'm Richard. How are you? This is what we're going to focus on. This is what you need to do before you come to to class. So you might not have the opportunity to do that, um, but have a think about what you want people to do before. Then what do you want people to do during your talk? Do you want them to ask questions? Good. Then I would say during at lots of different times during your talk, does anyone have any questions? Is that clear to everyone? Um, You know, have I got something wrong? What do you think? Uh, Ask questions of the audience. Again, another technique that storytellers use is to leave sentences incomplete, particularly obvious sentences. And so the audience wants to jump in and that encourages participation. You could be relating a story where you've already talked about the main character and you feign that they have forgotten their name, you've forgotten their name, and then the, the audience can fill in that blank and that makes them feel like they're part of your talk. So what do you want your audience to do during your presentation? And then what do you want your audience to do after your presentation? I think a lot of students, PhD students in particular, don't really get talked about, well, what do you want? What action do you want them to take? So like I said, there needs to be a call to action and then you need to make it easy for people to take that action. Um the advice that we often get given around the length of the presentation is one slide per minute. Now, if I uh, use that advice here for me today, so my presentation has 13 slides. I'm currently on slide 12. I don't think I've been going for 12 minutes yet. So I, I don't use that rule. I don't think it's a great rule. I think you're if you're not quite, clear on how long things will take for you if you're not giving a lot of presentations practice your presentation if you go over time with your practice don't leave things in and go oh the next time i do this i'll be quicker take stuff out it's okay to take stuff out of your presentation one of the good things about taking stuff out is that that might leave opportunities for questions and questions mean engagement. Questions mean further information can be provided. So don't necessarily delete the slide from your slide deck if you're using slides or remove it from your notes if you're following off some notes. Just move it to the back, move it to after the last slide. Uh, Move it after your call to action slide. And if someone says, hey, can you tell us more about ABC? You've already made those slides. You've already made that content and you can just straight away uh, click to it and say, hey, I made this earlier. I didn't include it for these reasons. Here's some more detail. That's a much better way than trying to rush through, perhaps running out of time, not getting any time for questions. Everyone hates that awkward silence at the end of a presentation. One of the ways you can avoid that is by (laughs) deliberately not including uh, information that people might ask questions about. Again, when I'm thinking about presenting at a conference, If you're primarily talking about a particular set of results, discussing the method is probably not useful. You can, like I think, tell us that you used qualitative research or online surveys or um, call assisted telephone interviewing or SDS page tell us what you did by all means, but don't tell me what SDS page is or call a telephone interviews, or don't tell me all the questions in your survey. If you're only going to present results for three of those questions, just present the results of those three questions. So we asked 10 questions. We thought three were really important. Three an- answers to three of them were really important. Here's question one, answer one, question two, answer two, question three, answer three. Um. I don't think many people do this now in academia, but fancy transitions and sounds just end up distracting from your work. But do be open to using things like images, GIFs, videos, stuff that's in zeitgeist. Using memes is a really good way of engaging your audience. Find out what current memes are and start there. It's a you um, Don't be afraid to do those kinds of things. But just because I said to use GIFs, images, and videos doesn't mean that you need to use the same kinds of GIFs, videos, and images that I would use fit the presentation to your personality. So, for example, I know that I like soccer. I like to play the drums. um, So, I would use those kinds of metaphors. I would use those kinds of images. And that will help engage your audience on a different level. That helps them learn a little bit about you, as well as you being able to express your um, you being broader than just the researcher who's up there talking about whatever it is that they're talking about. Um, there's a quote often misattributed um, to oh no, I've forgotten the name of the lady, but it seems to be attributed to Carl Buna that essentially says. Um, people remember how you make them feel rather than what you said so in a presentation about your work you want to entertain me first and educate me second Um, and that's not saying that the science can't be it isn't important or that you should do um, the science need to be handled in a different way or that people can't you know We need to, you know, whatever some people call it, dumb it down uh, or anything like that. But what I am saying is make it entertaining, make it something that people want to watch, make it something that other people are interested in. Um, And you can do that lots of different ways. So I've already talked about um, using images and GIFs, about using different, you know, generally using pictures rather than words, using that storytelling technique I talked about earlier. What's the journey that you went on as an individual PhD student to get these results? Like how hard was it? What was some of the the difficulties that you faced? Um to try those kinds of things. Um, when you're presenting, try to use your whole body, not just your mouth. So when you're on video, you get to wave your hands around, and if you're watching this on video, you'll see that I have been using my hands to talk as well as uh, just using my mouth to talk. But if you're on stage, don't just because you're given a lectern doesn't mean you need to stand behind it. If someone gives you the option of a lapel mic, a handheld mic, or just standing at the lectern, say no to the lectern every single time. Get out from behind it. Walk around the stage. Move up and down. Aim your talk at different parts of the audience. And if you're on video, look at the camera. Um, Hopefully, you've noticed me if you've watched this on on uh, video you've noticed me looking at the camera Um, you'll also notice me looking at other sections other areas and that's okay but if you want to really engage your audience on video the more you can look directly down the barrel of the camera the better it's going to be and um, so there's lots of good little tips and tricks you can use to remind you of that so you can you know on your slide presentation or off to the side of the screen you can include um, a little reminder if you don't know where your camera is you can put a little sticky label with an arrow obviously don't cover the lens but you can put an arrow that points to the camera so you know that you're looking at it the whole time um, all of those things uh, various options if you're on you're using a phone which might have a small camera or a camera that is hidden if it's a front-facing camera definitely use the trick of putting a sticky note with an arrow that's pointing to it so you know where to look all the time. Um, You can definitely stand up to give a talk. Um, Obviously, I'm sitting down at the moment if you're seeing this on video, but you can definitely stand up. That can help you get more animated and help you get more into the talk. Um, And ask for participation. So that means getting people to put their hand up getting people to call out answers, getting people to answer a question, um, actually asking for help. So let's say you it's a general presentation to a research audience and it's kind of like what I was doing in my PhD was like a, a departmental seminar where some problem-solving activities would happen as well. Lots of people would get up and just present a perfect project but on reflection, I think we should have been presenting, here's what I need help with. I can't get this experiment to work. Can someone help me? And so that idea of asking for participation is really useful as well as asking them for help. It, you can also mean that you can help direct some of the questions and it can review remove the sting from some of what can be tough questions or, you <clears throat> um, pointed pointed questions that academics have got a reputation for giving and asking you can you know if if you already say i'm really struggling perfecting this technique what could i be doing differently or could i improve or where have i gone wrong that's much better than pretending like you're perfect at the technique and having an academic point out that your controls didn't work or they ask about how you did something and it's not how they do it and it and they start telling you that it's the wrong way to do it. So there you have it. Some tips on presentations for researchers. If you enjoyed this, like I said at the start, like, subscribe, share with others. Uh, I'm really looking at the moment for Facebook and Google reviews. So if you're happy to do that and you've liked what you've got here, a great way to repay the work that you get from me is to leave a Google review or a Facebook review. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Take care and see you next week. Bye.